And so I tried to walk it off with him and things like this have happened in the past, like Saturn would get scared or I'd accidentally correct too highly and he'd yelp, um, which devastating, but you got to own up to your mistakes and things like that. But he could not recover. And I mean, like months of not being able to recover. Like we could not leave our building without his tail going under his body, him cowering frantically looking around and so he washed out of service work it was it was devastating Hi, welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I'm your host, certified dog trainer, Elizabeth Silverstein, and I have with me today, Darby Peekin, who's in the process of training or maybe retraining her own assistance dog. Hi, Darby. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good, thank you. It's going all right. I'm so excited to have you on. I actually found you through another trainer who she's like, hey, you're, you're training a high drive dog. This person is also doing that. And I, I delved into some of your Instagram and just was really blown away by the discussion that you had on there and how you were tackling certain issues. So I'm excited to delve into that a little bit more today. Awesome. I am too. Yeah. Well, Darby, I wanted to get started with, I think you have two dogs. Is that correct? Yeah, I have my first dog, which I got in 2019. He's a purebred white Swiss shepherd. He is two and a half years old now. He's my formerly now washed service dog and then I have a black Labrador retriever who is nine months old and he's from a breeder who's produced a lot of awesome service dogs so washed that's actually a new term that I just learned about and can you explain what that means yeah for sure so wash kind of means he didn't quite make the cut so for whatever reason Saturn's specific reason is he was a little bit nervous in public it was just too stressful for him for me to fairly ask him to be in public all the time but dogs can wash for a lot of reasons medical reasons they're not quite healthy which wouldn't be fair to work they don't quite have the temperament maybe they're aggressive things like that what made you want to train your own assistant dog well I think a lot of the reason most people train their own assistance dog is unfortunately programs are pretty structured in that they'll train for something very specific, but not like a plethora of diagnoses. So for example, if you need a guide dog, of course you can go, you get a guide dog. Um, if you need a blood sugar alert dog, of course you can go and get a blood sugar alert dog. But for myself, I needed a dog who was able to do medical alert and then also some mobility and also some psychiatric. So for myself, it was kind of just, I have, I could maybe get a started or a foundational dog, but I didn't have the money that those usually cost. And in this way, I was able to slowly pay for training as we went. It made it more accessible for me, which was really nice. Yes, because these are basically medical tools um, yeah. in a dog yeah. and that runs you 20, 30 plus thousand dollars. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a common misconception is that owner trained service dogs cost less. And um, I think that's not necessarily the case. It just is not a massive financial 
bill off the bat, like to pay for, okay, I'll go out and buy my well-bred puppy. Yeah, that's a big investment, but it's not $20,000, $30,000. It's okay, $2,000 here. Now I'm going to go and pay for training monthly, which maybe it's $100 for the month and then for the food and vet bills. But when you total it all together, they are equal in the end. So I think it's something to consider for a lot of people. Yes. And I think too, what really gets dismissed is the time that goes into this. So time is money, right? You're putting all this time and investment personally into these dogs, which means because, because you have a high drive dog, a dog that has to be able to do their job. So they have a lot of enrichment and training and energy needs that impacts your day to day, especially while they're training. And then if you need to put all this time into a dog, maybe that's, you're not able to work as much, or you need to get more creative with work. So I think when you're investing time, that's still a dollar equivalent as well. Absolutely. Like for Saturn to be able to work him because he's so high energy, high drive to make it fair to bring him out in public. I would have to plan to go to the park 20, 30 minutes before we went out anywhere so that I could run him for the ball so that he was able to do that. And while some people are totally able to make that commitment and sacrifice, I honestly am very glad I have a lab now. (laughs) I think that kind of tells you I feel about that. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a lot. It can be a lot. Darby, what has been your experience with training in general? Did you have experience before you started training Saturn? What was that whole process? I got my first personal dog when I was with my ex living out in BC. So we had, she was a behavior case. (laughs) She was lovely. I love her to death. I think she's a wonderful dog. She's a Catahoula mix. So if you know anything about Catahoulas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She was true and true Catahoula. My mom would walk into the yard and she started baying. My mom couldn't walk anywhere without the dog trying to control where she would stand. We would walk down our street. She would see a human, extremely human reactive, extremely dog reactive. So before I got Saturn, I had this foundation of trying to R plus or force retrain a dog in reactivity. And I kind of didn't really know what I was doing as much, but having some success here and there and starting to kind of understand. So When I got Saturn, a high drive dog that I didn't anticipate to be as high drive, but I really thought I knew what I was doing because I had dealt with Billy before then and been around many dogs. We had sometimes helped board quite a few of our friends' dogs. So I thought, yeah, I know. I totally know how to do this. And then Saturn was a bit of a slap in the face. (laughs) They always are. (laughs) He brought me back to reality, humbled me a little bit. (laughs) Yes, I have a couple of those myself. You know what? They're needed. They make us better trainers. (laughs) They do. They really do. I I got a pandemic puppy accidentally. I was just up at 3 a.m. in April of 2020, just like on Facebook in a panic over the state of the world. And a friend was like, "I, I got this dog. I don't know what to do with her. I need help. I was like, I will take her for one week. And two years later, she's still here (laughs) (laughs) and uh, she's made me question everything I thought I knew. I was like, oh, a dog won't dig out of the yard if their needs are being met. Well, if we like digging, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) She loves digging. Yes. 
Yeah. And I'm like, a dog will run away from you if their needs are being met. And she just is a little wild (laughs) forest dog that if she could go run in the woods for a while, she would love to do that. So yeah, I was really, and she's only nine pounds. She's tiny. So what kind of dog is she? I think she's a toy fox terrier. And oh, oh, the other part was, I was like, oh, little dogs don't think they're big. Little dogs know they're tiny. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know if that's true. I think she knows. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's not bothered by her size at all. She doesn't care about her size. She loves <laughs> big dogs. She's not bothered by it. She will like get feisty. So yeah, I I don't I, I just everything I was so confident in, I got her and I was like, oh, I don't let me be more careful about (laughs) let me me make some different decisions here (laughs) yeah let me think about that a little bit more I don't know but yeah she's made me a better trainer and the reason I found you actually is uh, I'm going through that process again now uh, two years later I guess I didn't learn my lesson but I brought home (laughs) a two and a half year old Belgian Malinois who's a rescue and a trainer friend of mine sent me your account because you made a switch in your training. And I want to talk about that a little bit more. So it was really exciting to see you with Saturn and training a high drive dog using um, exclusively positive reinforcement. So I want to rewind a little bit because you kind of started with R plus with your Catahoula. It, then you get Saturn, you're being humbled. How did you find balance training? And what was happening there? So I actually was like dead set on R plus when I got Saturn. And then I kind of found a few accounts online where they were, I want to say now, misrepresenting what balance training is to the dog. Not in like a way, like I think a lot of these trainers themselves believe that, but it might not be that way for every dog. Anyway, besides the point. Um, so I kind of got more and more down the rabbit hole, if you will, looking and understanding and wanting to learn. And so I found a few accounts that were kind of talking about how to apply this. And then I joined a few group chats where everyone was balanced training. And I was talking training in the group chats with people that I thought I trusted who had dogs far more impressive than mine. And we just got talking about what they would do in the situations where I was struggling. And I realized, hey, there's this whole solution if I just open my mind, if I just see or use this communication tool on my dog to clear up some of our frustrations, he'll know what's expected of him and we can both go on about our day. You know what I mean? It'll convincing myself that if I just corrected him and told him our expectation, it would be better than yelling at him or getting upset and saying, Saturn, stop, stop, stop. Don't do that. Don't do that. Constantly where I could just do one quick little stim on the remote and he was done, you know, but over time, I slowly started to notice Saturn deteriorating. And I thought, well, then I must just be misusing this tool. You know what I mean? I've seen so frequently online people saying, if your dog is doing those things that you're misusing it, because we were having great success when we first started using it, right? We were in this group chat where the immediate success that you see when you start using the e-collar. And then as he started deteriorating, I started questioning 
So we did, we went out and we got better training. We really did. I went to someone whose dog has an IGP-3, whose dog is extremely stable, who I would say on the balanced side of things, they use the e-collar as communication to build their dog up. They had great success with it. And even using a tool in that way, I could not build Saturn up. I couldn't see success with that way with him. Maybe I just wasn't good at it. Who knows? But where I come from with that is I eventually had a snap moment with Saturn where we were out on a Friday night. He had been nervous for months before, but we were starting to see more and more success, like small bits and bits, but like grand picture, not really just like those small things where you slowly work to counter condition and a guy almost hit him with an electric e-scooter on the side of the road in downtown where I live and he freaked out I have never seen a dog so scared he ran to the end of his prong and screamed to the like at the top of his lungs and just frantically kept doing it trying to get out of there And so I tried to walk it off with him and things like this have happened in the past, like Saturn would get scared or I'd accidentally correct too highly and he'd yelp, um, which devastating, but you got to own up to your mistakes and things like that. But he could not recover. And I mean like months of not being able to recover. Like we could not leave our building without his tail going under his body, him cowering frantically looking around and so he washed out of service work it was it was devastating and I do want to add here because I want to I want to delve into that a little bit more and I'm I'm so sorry you went through that because it's there I think that's a grief moment right where you have to also grieve what you thought you had and what you were working towards and all of a sudden that's gone yeah definitely it was not only realizing hey my dog is washed but realizing you were using a technique that was really hurting an animal, like psychologically, that like not even, I maybe you can say, okay, well, stim on low level or stim on doesn't hurt, but it was really hurting him psychologically. And this is an animal who was my service dog. This is an animal who did everything he could to make my life easier and better. And coming to terms with the fact that these tools paired with just something that I couldn't control, something that can happen to literally anyone, destroyed my dog to a point where he was miserable with his life and terrified to leave the building. Things that brought him joy no longer brought him joy. And I think like some people, maybe they're able to just say, hey, that's fine. You know what? We'll rebuild him back up on this e-collar and we'll be fine and we'll just move past it but at some point I think I had to like look at myself and say are you willing to continue to treat an animal who does so much for you this way yeah and I I do want to have a short discussion here on balance training because I I love what you said as well that you don't feel all balance trainers are abusers or misusing tools and I think that's important to to mention there are plenty of trainers who aren't misusing these tools and there are dogs that aren't impacted as much by prongs or chokes or e-collars. I think we still have to be very careful because people kind of use the dog's neck as like, oh, it'll be fine if we jerk this dog around, which is not true. Even dogs that aren't bothered by it psychologically can still have physical issues from it. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know what? That's it is a great point to bring up because as I've kind of mentioned throughout this whole process of being vocal about why I switch, Saturn is a sensitive dog. Like he's a very sensitive dog. Most white Swiss shepherds are. But the fact for myself and like I'll try to back up a little bit. And a lot of dogs aren't as sensitive as Saturn making it seem like they do a lot better with these tools. And you know what? Totally. We see dogs who are not shut down. We see dogs who are wagging their tail, happy, thriving, doing these sports with these tools on. And I think that we're doing ourselves a disservice by saying or putting our blinders on and pretending that we don't see those things because it makes people who might want to transition push further away from us because it seems like we're just this group of people who are advocating for something that isn't true or doesn't make sense. And while, yes, I've absolutely seen, you know what I mean, dogs trained on these tools not shut down, it is my personal belief that there are better and more fun ways to train. And that's how I'm gonna choose to train with my own dog. I have friends who train with balance methods and I'm not looking down at them. My friends who train with balance methods have some of the world-class IGP trainers and amazing trainers on their side. But the fact is 95% of us don't. And if we sit here and pretend that we're training in the same way that this person who paid exponential amounts of money paid to train in, but we're sitting at home, not paying any money, trying to learn online. And we're pretending that it's equivalent. We're setting ourselves up to fail in the balance world because you don't know the backing that those world-class trainers know. You aren't able to pick the perfect time to correct a dog where you know that it is absolutely not going to be classically conditioning humans to be scary to them or whatever. For myself, I am an angry person. (laughs) I know a lot of us relate. And if I'm being vulnerable online, which apparently frequently I do, I just call myself out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I act in anger a lot. And you know what? When my dog did something that made me a snap judgment angry, and I know we've all been there. Maybe your dog knocked over a water dish in the middle of your living room accidentally because they were playing in the water and having fun not a human thought of hey this is going to knock over the water dish and you they spill water all over the floor but they're wearing an e-collar and you're holding the remote and in that moment you think oh my gosh and you just correct them because what the heck yeah you can lie to yourself and say that would never happen to me you don't you don't know that until you put the tool on and you don't know what if I made water to my dog adversive and now I have months spending my dog trying to drink water in front of me again. Yep. I, yeah, I struggle with that too. And even though I don't, I don't use those tools, I have impatience and bringing a Belgian Malinois into my home has also challenged everything I I thought I knew and what I was capable of. And we're figuring it out, 
But when you're not getting enough sleep because your dog woke you up at 3 a.m. to throw up everywhere, you know, when you're you're not able to get certain commitments done because your dog's taking up more time than you thought, or you only had 20 minutes for a walk, but your dog really wants to sniff for 30 minutes. Those little moments, that's trigger stacking, right? Those little moments can really build up. And if you're not careful, sometimes it's just an impulse decision of like, all right, I'm jerk on the leash, let's go. And you really have to check in with yourself and remember it's not your dog's fault. They don't know they're putting themselves in danger when they step out into the street and a car is coming. And it's so important as our dog's guardians and and people that are supposed to keep them safe, that we be very careful about what, how we're interacting with them in terms of our own emotions and how we act on those emotions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that whole discussion and thought process of we don't know the outcome of what's going to come from a correction. And I think that that is where we will get more people to maybe say, hey, could this be setting my dog up to fail? And maybe I'm not willing to take that risk. If we sit here and say to everyone, balance training is terrible for every single dog. Every single dog is going to be shut down. We're just, we're going to have people turn against us. Yeah. And I see, I see that happening in a lot of discussions online. I've become known as like a, a little dog trainer in my area. Cause I had two little ones before I, I brought home the Malinois and I have to be a treat to my littles. I can't slap any collar on them because I will shock them into oblivion, <laughs> even, even on a low setting. And my littlest one, she's a runner. She's gone on 70 little runs, just having a grand old time. And if I make myself scary to her or I yell at her or I punish her when she gets back to me, I can't save her life in an emergency. And that's happened where she has slipped her collar. She's running full speed towards Main Street. And all I have is an empty hand because I didn't bring any treats that day. But because I've become such a treat to her and a fun person to be, and I've conditioned a closed hand as my recall cue, she came back to me. And that's, that's the practice. Like these are cues. Like if you don't have your e-collar remote, if you, if your dog slips out of the house without their e-collar on, how do you get your dog back? If they can look at your hand and they see you don't have something either. Like there's, there's really a lot of life-saving reasons to work with some R plus as well. You know what? That's such a good point that I haven't even personally thought of that I hear so frequently, like one of the best, in my opinion, arguments for the e-collar was emergency recall. It was the reason it took me so long to sell the e-collar for Saturn. It was, oh, I need this for this emergency backup recall. But you know, what's funny is, like you said, I have seen people's e-collar straps break. I've seen people's e-collar contact points not be touching skin, especially for longer hair breeds and not work. I've seen dogs blow past the highest level e-collar stim because they are more interested in the prey object or whatever. And you know what? That's such a good point of you have to, at some point, say to your dog, I am not, or recalling back to me is not only a stim, it is really good and exciting. Because in those moments, absolutely, what are you going to do if the contact points are not touching that day? The most likely scenario. Yeah. Emergencies are scary and we have to practice for them because we never know when it's going to happen. We really don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I just, yeah, my, I have, yeah, impatience. Sometimes my anger pops out and I just have really bad mechanics. Like I realized that was one of the big things. <laughs> we used a spray bottle at the company I used to work for, for corrections in play of just like disrupt and, and all that. And we, I was working with a dog and I had the spray bottle and I sprayed it. And the person I was working with was like, why did you do that? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know I why I did that. <laughs> I got excited, you know? Like, <laughs> so, and that just made me realize like, if I can't be trusted with like a spray bottle, <laughs> I don't, I don't even want to set my hands on something even more adverse because spray bottles are adverse. It's something the dog doesn't want most of the time. Absolutely. You know what? The Toby Project on Instagram really opened my eyes and helped me learn about classical conditioning, which for whatever reason in the balance world, I just was like, operant conditioning is life. And I did not understand or grasp how classical conditioning could always be happening. You know, that it changed how I viewed a lot of training and in that situation where maybe I accidentally sprained because I've been in the same situation where in the moment oh god <laughs> you just do something very quickly where you just accidentally you don't know if hey maybe that interaction with that dog on dog interaction became adverse now and the dog associates dog on dog play with a spray bottle in that situation probably quite unlikely you don't know which specific dog, you don't know that it's not happening. Mm -hmm. And that's where another side of, we have to be really careful of, I don't have world-class IGP and dog training and neither did 95% of us to be able to predict and know, hey, this is what's being classically conditioned here. Absolutely. Yes, I, I love the trend that's coming up of functional training. So we focus so much on sit down, stay, look, leave it, drop it, all that. But what are we doing throughout our day to use what our dogs are learning and capture those moments? So I try to tell clients like, let's say yes, more than we say no. I love Kathy Sadeo's 50 times, you know, to set treats around that, you know, little pockets of treats around the house to capture those natural behaviors and let's reward a jumpy dog for doing nothing, right? Like we didn't ask them to do anything, but also they're not jumping. So what if we capture that? And then they learn it's more reinforcing to keep those paws on the ground than to jump up. It's just that what if we kind of built it into our day and made it functional instead of being so worried about having a dog that's just like, yes, right away, you know? Yeah. You know, this is, that's a great example of like teaching a dog what to do instead of constantly telling them what not to do, which is exactly what you're trying to say. And another side of balance training that when I was training balance, I didn't understand. It's almost like, as we've talked about, it becomes so reinforcing to correct that I forgot that there are these other sides where I can hide treats around the house. And when my lab chooses to lay next to me, instead of trying to attack my cat, <laughs> not attack, but play, um, play with my cat who does not want that. Mm -hmm. I can just reward him. Hey, it's good to hang out here. Look, the cat can go and sit on the bed and we can lay next to me. You know what I mean? Instead of waiting for your dog to go and pounce on the cat and correcting him and saying, get away from the cat. You can just yeah. say, hey, thanks for sitting next to me instead of being on the cat. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love it. Yes. Yep. And it's also, it, dogs are sometimes just looking for a little excitement. So getting ahead of that excitement definitely helps. Like when a 
dog jumps on a person and the person screams, it's like, oh, you just become a giant toy to your dog. So that's really reinforcing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a big step in switching with Saturn was stopping and noticing what are the things that you're correcting for and how do you start to change the mentality from, okay, instead of correcting you for this, what can I add value in so that instead of a correction with an unknown classical conditioned response, I can add value in you doing something else and then either ask you to do that instead of what you're doing because, and you'll choose to want to do it because I've added value or how do I reward you before you start doing the thing I don't want? And I, I've been watching the videos of you using sniffing as a reinforcer for Saturn's reactivity, right? <laughs> Something I battled with all my life became our biggest weapon against reactivity. <laughs> I couldn't get him to engage with me. And that's not a hurt or a slight on my training. If I have a ball and I'm in a field, good luck getting Saturn to pay attention to you while I'm standing there with that ball. Good luck. But when I'm out on a walk and my intact male notices that there is a tree where another dog has peed, good luck, Darby, paying, getting him to pay attention to you because you're not getting there. And so going out on a walk, getting to the park became, I am battling with the excitement of wanting to go and initially smell the dog. And I am battling with the frustration of the barrier of him being on the leash and not being able to get to the thing. And I'm battling with, instead of him, when he turns back away from the dog, not being able to reward him adequately because he would rather just go back to a smell instead of coming to me for a treat. So instead of constantly forcing him to come back to me as his reward for ignoring a dog, it just became how do I make it even more exciting for him to go to those smells on a cue so that when he did see a dog that he got excited about, I could say, hey, where's the next tree though? Because don't forget, you can still keep smelling. You don't have to be frustrated because you need to go and smell that other smell. The same reward is still within your distance. Just go and smell that. And that's Positive reinforcement. It's using what yes. the dog finds reinforcing, not what we think. Like we always jump to treats and treats are absolutely fantastic. I do not, uh, you know, knock treats at all, but is it sniffing? Is it praise? Like I have, I've been reminded even after I became a dog trainer to praise my schnauzer. He gets so excited when I'm like, good job, buddy. <laughs> you know what? I have a friend with a service dog. Her service dog just washed out of an owner training program because he is very, very lightly like reactive to other dogs, meaning he gets like slightly excited and will let out a play bark. And this dog, they were trying to use, he's quite food motivated. They were trying to use food as like, it's your choice, you turn away, awesome. And he was doing it. But then if they added food and praise together, after like two practices with it, he didn't even bother looking at the other dog. He was like, praise? Heck yeah. yeah. That's so Some cute. It's sometimes I forget, like sometimes we forget, hey, so frequently online they tell us, no, praise can't be the reward. But like some dogs just like, we don't get to pick what their reward is. We can work with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we can experiment too. Like the Malinois that I'm like, I'm not sure what I was doing, bringing her home. She's great. We're working through stuff. She wants to tug. And if I hold a toy up in the air, she would love nothing more than to jump and hang (laughs) from it. She wants me to drag her across the floor, all that stuff. (laughs) When I pull out my standard treats that my other dogs love, she's like, I I guess, Eh, no thanks. You know, so it's up to me once I figure out what the dog wants and what's reinforcing to use that in a way that's not frustrating, that encourages other, you know, more appropriate behaviors for the situation and also builds our bond together and strengthens our relationship. Absolutely. I love that. That's so true. I love just using whatever we can and the fun experimental phase of, well, is it fun or is it frustrating? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To find... Fun for the dog, maybe frustrating for the human. Who knows? <laughs> A little bit of both. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I will say all in all, something that I did notice that I think the account, if you, if anyone listening can check out is Purdy and Happy online. They mention in one of their posts that one of the biggest takeaways that they took from switching from balanced to R plus is that they weren't a particular angry person. Actually, they were one of the most compassionate and amazing people I have ever met in my life. But even after switching, they noticed this immense change in themselves where things started to become, how can I compassionately meet someone where they're at? And that change that maybe we feel, oh, I'm changing a small thing in my dog's training. It might just impact the rest of your life and it might make you want to just be a better person all around. And the world needs that. 100%. I'll link to in the description box and in the the blog post about Herdy and Happy Because honestly, Lex is the reason I decided to look for a Malinois. Lex uh, unfortunately passed away unexpectedly and they had two Malinois when they were fostering and one was their service dog. And I applied for Kayla and- Did you? Yeah, and just the distance and how it worked out, it it didn't happen. And I just felt really hopeless. And one night, again, I was just like up at 3 a.m. being like, the world is falling apart and I have no control. And I was like, I could adopt a dog. That makes me really happy for Lex. What a great impact they had. And I had invited them to come on the podcast and they passed away before it happened. But there was something about Lex that really impacted everybody who they encountered. And even me, who I didn't have very in-depth conversations with them, but I was like, I can do this. And this is a way for me to honor Lex and to have a little bit more control over what feels like a really helpless situation in our world and make life a little bit better for a dog that might not have that opportunity otherwise. Oh, that's so special. That makes my heart really happy, honestly. I honestly don't think I've ever met a person as compassionate as Lex. Like, you know how the dog community can be. Sometimes people talk behind each other's backs and in a group chat where no one would have seen the light of day, those messages, if anyone tried to start that, Lex immediately shut it down, no matter what it was. Always the most, or person with the most integrity, just a great human all around. Lex was such a great example of someone who walked the walk and talked the talk, like their Mm -hmm. actions matched everything that they were saying. Sometimes when I get impatient or I get frustrated, 
I'm like, oh no, I'm a terrible person. But I also want to be honest about those moments where I'm just human because I that's something that Lex also did. Like Lex didn't shy away from being human or having flaws either. And Absolutely. I think that helps dog owners the most because I think dog trainers can get real hoity-toity about stuff. Oh my goodness, yes. We can get real arrogant and we do know a lot and we do know a lot more than the average dog owner. But one of my big goals for everything, all the content that I put out, all the ways I interact with the world is helping dog owners feel empowered and to make the next best decision, even if they've made a mistake. We can't get so caught into your messing up your dog or you're making terrible decisions or how dare you use that tool. It's we're all humans doing our best. And how can we keep moving forward with our animals in the, in the way that's healthiest and happiest for everybody? Absolutely. I think that one of the conversations that Lex and I and our friend who was else in the group chat would chat about is how you can just accept someone who is a balanced trainer or how you can. And what it came down to was at the end of the day, they realized I wasn't balanced training because I wanted to hurt Saturn or because I wanted to, you know what I mean? Do mistreat him or just, I wanted an easy answer. I loved him. And I thought that I was communicating with him what I wanted so that we can make our relationship better. And the fact that we both had that same goal, like we all had that same outlook of, I just want a better life for my dog made us all stop and say, Hey, we're all of the same mindset here. So if what you want is a better relationship, Instead of a correction, what if you tried to do this instead? Get back to us and tell us if it works. If it doesn't, maybe we'll brainstorm again. And it became fun for me to try to find solutions with my friends where I wasn't just pressing a button on a remote and I was problem solving and working with my dog and having fun together with him again. And it's so powerful and it just really builds the relationship of when you have that communication that goes both ways, that's what a relationship is. You don't have a relationship with a living thing if you're the only one talking and demanding things. Absolutely. If you're asking your dog to do something and your dog is on the way to doing it, but they stop to stretch or they stop to have a moment and then they continue on, you don't need to, you know what I mean? Correct them to say, hurry up and do it faster. Like let's work together let's build a relationship together and make us both happy in the long run because the funniest thing is all of the stuff that I trained completely positive reinforcement where Saturn got a choice in all of our training all of his task work for service dog stuff I continued to train him balanced and keep him in public access for so long because he was always so willing to task for me when I finally stopped and said hey you get a choice. Do you want to do this? How do we make this fun together? He said, heck yeah, I want to do this always for you. Yeah. And then that's beyond treats. That's a dog that's willing to work. Like I get a lot of clients and lessons that, that they're like, okay, well, they're only listening to you because you have food. I'm like, okay, your turn. Let's see if you can replicate. But also I'm also very clear with them when I'm like, your dog wants to do stuff. Like it's, it's really not 
always mm-hmm. the reinforcer. It's just, they're like, yeah, let's, let's use our brains. And that, that's why I think we're seeing a lot of anxious Malinois, shepherds, German shepherds, all of those, because these are dogs that need to use their brains. And when we don't let them do that, I think that's where a lot of anxiety stems from. And of course, Absolutely. there's genetics, there's socialization, there's environment, but I think there's just so many dogs that they're just begging to be able to use their brains and engage in their instincts. And when we don't let them do that, that's where they're having a hard time. And a perfect example of that, Saturn is reactive of people walking past our house, that barrier frustration. And if I take Saturn to the park first thing in the morning and let him run for his ball for 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, he is far less reactive at that window and far less anxious of that barrier when he's just had that outlet Mm -hmm. to calm down and just say, oh, I'll bark maybe once, maybe twice. But if it's been a bad week for me health-wise and I've not been able to get the dogs out as much as I should and maybe we're just doing scent work in the house, he is far more reactive at that window. Far more reactive saying, oh gosh, ah, are we sure? Are we sure everything's okay? So I think it's a great example. Like sometimes we just need to say, hey, get out there, work your brain give them some exercise, meet their needs, and then you'll figure out what their baseline is to go from there. And that takes time, I think. So I've I've only had my Malinois for two weeks and it's been stressful, but we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there and it's going to take a few more months, but honestly, I expect it's going to take me a year to two years to figure this dog out and to build that relationship and be very confident in what I know about her. That not, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, it's, I, now that I have a lab and a shepherd combo, and maybe you'll relate having a small dog and a shepherd now, a herding breed. I think the reason why people say these dogs are so difficult isn't because they're not wicked smart dogs. Yeah. It's because they're wicked smart dogs. Yes. It's because if I leave something on the counter for my lab to find and eat, it is far easier for me to say okay I'll just reward you for when I notice that you make the choice to not jump on the counter now I'm going to have more consistency my shepherd is brilliant he'll remember that for the rest of his life when I'm not looking he's going to jump up on that counter to check not Mm -hmm. saying that's happened in my house but as an example of he is far more excited and because he is smarter he wants to think about things Mm -hmm. so if you don't give him something to think about he wants to outthink you Yes. And I think humans tend to have a lot of ego. And so we make up stuff to appease our own ego. Sometimes they're stubborn. It's like, yeah, or are you just not meeting their needs? Eh, What is it? (laughs) Yeah. Are you stubborn or did you just not make it fun? Yeah, for sure. Well, Darby, this has been such a delightful conversation. I want to be mindful of your time, but is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think this was a wonderful chat. I loved this. Yeah, this was absolutely great. And where can people find you? My Instagram is my animal planets. And we have a YouTube link on that page there. If you guys wanted to check out our YouTube journey, you can uh, follow back through the channel to see when I was balanced training and what my methodology and thought process looked like there. And now on my Instagram with me a little bit more force free and empathetic towards my dog. <laughs> Perfect. I'll link to both. And Darby, I'm going to go ahead and do the sign off. And then I've got one final question for you. For sure. 
This has been Telltale Dog, the podcast with your host, Elizabeth Silverstein, certified dog trainer in Central Arkansas, and my guest today, Darby Peachman. Music has been provided by Jim Chiago of Seven Second Chance. Find more of his work on iTunes and Spotify, and stick around for After the Music for some final advice from Darby. Darby, if someone were to come to you and they're considering training their own assistance dog, what advice do you have for them? Oh, I want to say get a trainer, even though I know that it's not realistic for everyone. I would say if you cannot get a trainer, and I know that some people cannot, unfortunately, even though that is the best help, it would be learn to read body language start with your dog's foundations. Do not teach task work. Stop worrying about public access. Teach your dog how to have fun healing with you. Teach your dog how to have fun engaging with you. Teach your dog to enjoy the foundational work. Wait until they're 14, 15, 16 months to start training tasks, to start training those complicated things. Your dog doesn't need to know all of those things right away. They just need to know how to enjoy doing what they're going to have to do for the rest of their life.